Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hopefully everybody is, I don't know, recovering from whatever the hell it was we watched yesterday for three hours of our lives. Not great football, and we talked about it yesterday. We're here to break it down a little bit further. We've got a little bit more video stuff to check out. We're going to play, I guess, a warped form of a game while looking at some of this uh, some of this video stuff. But I'm Anthony. He's John. John, I, I missed chatting with you yesterday. I needed some commiseration with with some people i was all by my lonesome but uh good to be with you here today man despite what happened yesterday yeah sorry i wasn't able to make that i think um you know you know a a lot of things going through your mind luckily though it wasn't three hours i think it was like only two hours and 40 minutes That's a short game actually yeah if if there's any saving grace about 24 point (laughs) loss it's that it goes uh in shorter periods amount in, in a shorter time frame than than you would expect but Man, it's twice in four weeks now. It's uh, it's not looking great. <laughs> it's not looking great. The I, I, I mean, I use this cliche a bunch of times over the last twenty four hours, be it writing or um, or, or you know doing this video stuff. I, there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, and I, I think there's a lot of you know. I, each passing week, you know, early this early in this process, when you're okay, well, they're they're uh, one and two, and uh, they're zero oh and two, and uh, you know, you're kind of like, well, I mean, they they'll get it going, they'll get it going, and now we're in to week five, on to week five, we're a month into the season, we're in the month of October, and like you said, man, there are two games already played where the Bengals scored three points apiece. They have not scored a first half offensive touchdown in any games played this year they uh i mean i don't know man um it's just it's staggering and, and i find it hard to believe and I, this is where i want to get your assessment on this i find it hard to believe that it's just the burrow calf situation i think there are a myriad of factors at play here and i think everybody's saying you know when burrow's healthy this is going to get right back on track I, I I'm inclined to believe that, but there's not a lot of signs right now pointing to that just being the case. You know, maybe right out of the bye if he heals, if the calf's fully healed, then it's the number one reason why they're in the dumpster right now. They have, I think, legitimately the worst passing offense in the league. And what's staggering about that, to me at least, because Burroughs had issues early in the season before, particularly with turnovers. He's only turned the ball over twice. 
he's had, he's had, I think, only like two or three maybe turnover-worthy plays. It yeah. is just a bare-bones, inefficient offense. It's it's threatening no parts of the field beyond like the first down marker. It's very evident with just how they just attack their downs in general, maybe. It, it, it's, it's a level of, of inefficient that it looks like there's just no talent on the team when that's clearly not the case, right? So Burrow's injury, I don't think, is the only thing that's plaguing this team. But having terrible quarterback play, regardless of how that comes to be, is why they're in this spot. It's it's cascading into other issues. I think it's fine to say that the defense is not playing at the level that they were last year. It's fine to say that the offensive line, while better, is still not particularly at the level that people expect. Those are valid, I think, valid observations that are just playing into this. But I think when the quarterback plays as bad as he is, and when the offense is as bad as it is in general, a lot of the other issues are, are compounded. But I but I get it though, because it, it, because it's not it's not just Joe Burrow. Like it, like Joe Burrow's calf is taking more blame than Joe Burrow himself, and I completely understand that. But of course, like that issue can't just resolve overnight. It's going to continue to be an issue until it isn't, and it just can't just you know you can't snap, snap your fingers and all of a sudden he's healed. So people naturally turn to the coaching. They turn to Zach. They turn to the designers and the and the planners of the offense as a whole, and they're thinking, why did, why does this not look as easy as it could be? Why are other offenses with limited quarterback play still able to find explosive plays, still still able to find spacing all over the field? Why does it look so painful for this offense to get any sort of first down outside of just the opening game script? And there's just, like you said, there's just not a lot of answers right now. And I think the fact that this is year four or five of legitimate questions about what is the plan with this offense? Why was there why were there no contingencies in the offseason? Why is it taking so long to adapt to clear problems? It's why the benefit of the doubt right now is not as great as it could have been compared to years past. So there are two things. Well, there are like three or four topics that everybody's talking about. We're going to talk about most of them on this show. But the uh, the two that really come up here is play calling. Right when when you're talking about all of the issues that we're talking about, play. I guess I should say play calling versus execution, right? And then the other aspect of it is the run game, because we we you and I have talked about this a lot. It's a supplemental aspect of the offense. The offense runs through Burrow, the wide receivers. That's how this offense goes. There was more success, almost five yards per carry from Joe Mixon yesterday. Some of that, you know, was maybe late in the game when the Titans were just kind of backing off. But a lot of it was in those, you know, early drives, particularly a nice opening drive by the team. So you go, okay, now you got T. Higgins with a fractured rib. You got Joe Burrow with the calf. The only thing you're kind of regularly doing is getting some decent runs. I mean, you're not getting, you know, home run runs all the time, but you're, you're getting decent yardage out of it. Is it almost like don't change the offense forever to a more balanced or running the ball a little bit more type of situation, but maybe temporarily if you're talking about overcoming some of these injuries, does it just need to be because the only guys putting up numbers and doing a a lot of positive things on offense right now is when you feed Jamar Chase the ball, 12 catches on 14 targets against the Rams. He had seven for 70 something yesterday and then mixing you know, kind of chewing up some runs here and there off RPO and different different style of runs out of shotguns. So 
I mean, those are the two real big talking points as we talk about the struggles of, of the offense. I, I mean, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing. And I know that's what a lot of people are engaging in. Uh, I, I think all, part of it comes down to defenses are just not scared right now and nor should yeah. they be. And theoretically though, if you were to run the ball with a decent amount of success, like the Bengals were successful running the ball yesterday. I think there was like 67% success rate when mixing, when mixing carried the ball and the Titans didn't, they didn't care. Like they didn't, they didn't stack the box. They didn't put any more attention on there. They just yep. kept, they just stayed back because again, like if you're, if you want to just charge down the field, five, six, seven yards at a time. Defenses will take that if they don't have an iota of respect for when you drop back and pass. I think that's the biggest thing because someone someone in the comments said like the offense had trouble last year. And I think the same troubles are existing. It's just that Burrow's Superman ability was able to kind of kind of mask that to, to an extent. When he's on and he's precise and he's processing at, at top speeds, the the structure of the off, I think the offense in itself can still function but defenses, even last year, they didn't care at all when the Bengals ran the ball. And they don't this year either, even if the run game was fine against Tennessee. So you can spam run, run, run out of pistol, out of shotgun, whatever you want. And you can just exhaust all of your concepts and all of your ideas from that very limited box that you're constraining yourself in. But until the defense actually starts showing signs of respecting it, it's just really hard to open things up in ways that other teams like the 49ers and the Dolphins can. And I think yeah. on top of that, I mean, we talked about it in the offseason too. Like at running back and tight end, the Bengals lost some guys and they replaced them, but they didn't, they still lack that explosion in speed at some of these positions. Like Irv Smith's injury, he wasn't playing particularly great. And I think Tanner Hudson's been fine in, in his place, but they still don't have any dynamicism at tight end. They don't have it at the running back position either out of the backfield as a pass catcher. These complimentary receivers outside of Jamar Chase, like, T Higgins has kind of been playing like almost at half speed this year. Tyler Boyd looks like he's getting up there in age. There's not a ton of speed and explosion to thread in the second and third levels of these defenses that the Bengals are playing. And it's just leading to just the same defensive looks. And every time I, I swear, like even watching that Rams Rams game, the one or two times when the Rams were in single high looks, they immediately spammed to the boundary on a vertical route. Like every time they get these looks, the Bengals waste no time to actually do it. They're fiending to try to do these concepts and defenses just aren't getting them. And I think it's easier to win against those two high looks that they did last year when you have plus athletes and they don't have that right now. And unfortunately I think it's making play calling a little bit difficult, more difficult than it should be. Like it shouldn't be this bad, but I'm, I think we're just trying to explain some context as to why even some alternate plans may, may not have been working so far. You, this is how I know you and I have been working together a long time because you and I are on a good, similar wavelength when it comes to what you were just talking about. And I talked about it on the postgame show yesterday. This felt like a game where the Bengals needed a dynamic tight end. This was, this was the game it felt like when things aren't working well and you're able to run the ball, you can sprinkle in potentially I know it's difficult to sprinkle to do play action out of shotgun and do that effectively a lot but you could sprinkle in the occasional play action pass get the ball out quickly maybe across the middle to to a, a dynamic tight end when when that field shrunk on that opening drive in the red zone having a dynamic player at tight end that's where that player comes in handy and you look back at the two last draft classes there were a lot of tight ends that not only the Bengals showed interest in but there are a lot of tight ends they could have invested in and 
you know, had another weapon. And I looked, I thought about it this way today, John, because, you know, we talked about, well, maybe they shift to the run game a little bit more. Well, you know, they've got the wide receivers. The NFL has done, and kudos to the Bengals for what they've built on offense, but a lot of teams have really built now their systems and their defensive players around guarding teams like what the Dolphins have, what the Bengals have. They've done that. And so that's why the Bengals last year, when they went to a lot of the two, two deep safety looks opposing defenses, that's why the Bengals did more of the shorter passing and that sort of thing. They adjust it, right? And so now this year, it, it feels like that's even revved up a little bit more. I know the Browns kind of a different animal in that one, but um, it feels like that has even been harder for them this year to adjust to what defenses are doing. And that's where I still look at that position of tight end. And granted, I still think Irv Smith can have a decent year in this offense if he's healthy and out there. But I, I just feel like that... The Bengals kind of built their offense and they stood a bit still. They added two wide receivers that are backup guys, but they kind of kept things as they were and they had an opportunity to add a tight end. And this game to me really spotlighted that need for a dynamic player there as you, as you kind of alluded to. It's a copycat league in a lot of ways. And in some areas, it seems like the Bengals have been slow to adapt to what has been working across the league. You watch the 49ers and Dolphins and two is in the pistol constantly. And there's a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. That's almost exclusively what the 49ers run. It's a lot of condensed formations and it just packs the defense close to the line of scrimmage. But then both those teams also have the athletes to get horizontal and off of play fakes or RPOs or whatever type of concepts that you want to run, to just freeze the defense for a second. When you add more gaps there, it, it creates more of a responsibility and a strain on the defense, and, th- and you can run more things off of that. The Bengals, I think, ran under were under center once this game. It was the first time all year mm-hmm. where Burrow was under center, and he looked like he was running through molasses trying to get out from under center. Like They've tried to put him in the pistol more, I think, to run more of the running concepts that they want, but they were supposed to be more under center this year. And they were supposed to have more play action from under center. And they were supposed to open up the offense and create more explosive plays from that. That has yet to come because of what Burrow can and can't do. But also, to your point with the tight ends, like they don't run a lot of 12 personnel because that's not the strength of their team. And that's just a lack of personnel at that position. Right. group. But that's where right. a lot of the NFL is going now. And until the Bengals have any speed, their teams just aren't going to respect it. They're going to view it as, oh, this is probably just a run. And more times than not, the Bengals run under 12 personnel than they pass. It's another evolution that they need to take, and it's probably not going to happen this year. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The defense. What do you what are you making of that there? I mean, I I try and give them a pass that, hey, you know, they're out there a lot. The offense is sputtering. Um, they're getting tired, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, first drive of the second half, what was it, a 15-play drive they let up, mm-hmm. something like that? Um, they, they are susceptible. And, and they are not as stout against the run this year. And granted, they, they have – they're second worst in terms of rushing yards allowed from a defensive unit overall this year. And granted, they played two quarterbacks who who can run into Sean Watson and, and Lamar Jackson, but they are having problems tackling. They are having problems getting a guy to the ground. Look at Derrick Henry's runs yesterday. And granted, it is Derrick Henry. He's huge. He's massive. He's strong, of course. But it, it's uncharacteristic from what we've seen the last couple of years in terms of run defense. Um, and so there's just these – Problem areas where, where I know a, a lot of us want to be optimistic, and there's reason for that optimism to say, hey, they'll get it right. They'll get it right. It's still kind of early. They'll get it right. But there are just kind of some really problematic elements on both sides of the ball occurring that it, it's going to take a, a pretty big change um, for their season to make it a, a change for the positive. Uh, for starters, I'm not, I'm not really one to – like, I mean, these guys are professionals and offense and defense have, I mean, they're in different meetings, like they have different mindsets and everything like they're on the same team, but how, how bad an offense does shouldn't it, it like, it shouldn't make a defense bad, but when I think it happens over and over and over again, and it just snowballs into what we saw um, on Sunday, I think it did kind of have some type of mental impact. Um, just almost apathy at just no help given to them. And all of a sudden it's just three straight scoring drives in the second quarter. And all of a sudden you're down like 17, 16, whatever the hell the deficit was before halftime. It, it, it did seem like it was, it was kind of taking a toll on them because that was a very uncharacteristic, like even, it, even despite the Browns kind of running all over them in the second half of that game, when the offense did nothing, even when they kind of caught got caught on off surprise by the Ravens, this game stood out in the sense of you don't see the Bengals miss this many tackles. This was a pre reload the defense under Luna Rumo type yeah. performance from 2019. Yeah. We haven't seen that in a long time. I'm willing to, to say that the Titans, we talked about like what, how the Titans can win this game and they can produce some explosive plays off play action. That's exactly what Ryan Tannehill did when yeah. Derrick Henry gets any type of space at all. He, and that's, that's the amount of time and space he needs to accelerate and become Derrick Henry. We saw him do exactly that. The Bengals lost at the front level, though. They had bad games from Zach Carter. Um, DJ Reader was he, he was just pre- kind of pedestrian out there. DJ Reader's always played well against Derrick Henry. He didn't this time. Trey Hendrickson, he, yeah, he had a couple of pressures here and there, but he had an amazing mismatch against Andre Dillard, and he rarely impacted the pocket against uh, Ryan Tannehill. 
it was just it was a not good performance from the from that defensive line. And when that defensive line gets blown off the ball like that, it it, it led to some bad things. And I, again, like I'm not I'm not making an excuse for like how bad the offense was, and that's why the defense kind of fell flat like that. But I, I think at a certain point, it does kind of take a toll on you, and like oh. We're just getting no help out here, and it's just almost kind of deflating, especially when everything's going bad. Yeah, uh, and and that it's been a theme. <laughs> it's not just for the day, right? I mean, it's been it's been for for the season, but um, it, it's a weird combination with where the Bengals are record wise, and some of the things. It when you look at you know a recipe for success for a team, right? Um, they were the defense has been you know c- creating some turnovers. They're, I think, tied for the fifth most in sacks with with a bunch of other teams. But, I mean, they've been getting the quarterback to the ground, which was a bit of a problem last year. Um, they've been pressuring. the As you mentioned earlier, the offense is not t- – they're taking care of the ball for the most part, right? It's not like it's fumbles everywhere and Burrow has another four-interception game or anything. I mean, they're taking care of the ball. They're just not scoring any points. And it's, it's this weird, like, you're doing some major things as a team well – but it's not leading to any kind of success. It's very, very strange to me. The, the, that first drive, too, like for the offense, it, it wasn't anything special that, that they were doing. I don't, I don't like it, they. Their screen game was working better than it had been, and they're down, and they're just their gap scheme, you know, offset duo run game. Like it was working, and they were pushing the Titans back, and they got into the red zone, and then Burrow forced one into T. Higgins, trying to get him a yeah. touchdown, Tennessee again, and they they stuck to three. And I think that was pretty pretty significant for the Titans' defense to kind of get punched in the mouth there early on and only give up three points. Seemed like if they scored a touchdown, they might have some more confidence going into the game. But man, the offensive line too, like that Titans' defensive line, like we talked about, it was no joke. It's no joke. And there were so many times when they had Simmons and two other guys lined up on one side of the formation, and they just ran stunt game, and they overloaded the Bengals' offensive line. And the blitzes too, like the that, this. Yeah. This it's probably the biggest thing when you're talking about how the Titans' pass rush impacted the Bengals. Burrow is a lot is typically a lot more decisive to get the ball out quickly when he knows that he's overmatched and there's a fire blitz or whatever. And as he's gotten quote unquote healthier with that calf, we've seen him start to hold the ball a little bit longer, but he's not doing anything really when he's holding the ball long, and that led to some unnecessary hits that he took and led to some sacks and. It's it's part of why the offense ultimately failed in this game, but that was again everything that went well for the Titans was predictable in the sense of if the Titans win, this is how they win. They didn't win by surprising the Bengals in any way, shape, or form. They just did. They just performed to their strengths a hundred times better than the Bengals did to them. So there are a lot of I mean, I could pin. Oh, I mean, there's at least been, I don't know, eight to eight to a dozen so far in our live chats about, by the way, we have a lot of live viewers, which is awesome. Good to see all of you. Um, a, a lot of comments about sit Joe, sit Joe. He's not healthy. Sit Joe. He's not healthy. I, I mean, I understand the output has been the output. Like I mentioned, the, th- the two, three point uh, <laughs> games, their last, the last time they hit the field and the first time they hit the field this year. So I understand the sentiment, but I mean, if he's saying he's, he's telling people he's good to go. Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, that, that it's kind of an indictment of who else they maybe have in the building. If they, if, if Joe, he either 
he's a lot healthier than we all believe, and he's just being ineffective uh, for right now. He's in a bad stretch. Or, I mean, it, it's just it's an indictment of the other players in the building, and they they believe that this a less than one hundred percent Joe, wherever he is, seventy five percent, eighty five percent, whatever is gives them by far the best opportunity to win instead of AJ McCarron, instead of Jake Browning or Reed Sinet, who was, I believe, released off the practice squad today. So, I, I mean, I don't really ascribe to, you know, sitting Joe right now, if it's again, unless there's something that comes up that says, you know, this is a, this is something that could lead to a severe injury in it. That seems to not be the prognosis necessarily. Yeah. I mean, he got hit plenty of times in this game he got back up there was no sign of him you know kind of limping or anything like that it, it's it's obviously it's to say it's an indictment on the backups it's like it's almost like not even a negative it's just a recognition that jake Bryan or h mccarran are close to joe burrow and that's that's 100 true the problem is i'm not going to say it's hard well I, yeah i am going to say it's hard to get worse than what it is out there because what it is 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 bottom of the league stuff I think Joe Goodberry kind of said it the best, like regardless of whether or not Burrow is hundred percent right now, he clearly isn't regardless if he's close or not. It does seem like the Bengals don't want to waste a week where Burrow could feel like himself again and, and could play like himself again. And then have Jake Browning out there and they can probably expect how Jake Browning or AJ McCrown. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, the inverse of that works too. At this point, you're, you're running out of time. And if you want to potentially waste another week where your quarterback is in there and he's just not performing up to his ability and there's only one real explanation about it, it's like at a certain point, you kind of made your bed by saying this guy is good enough to play and his limitations aren't holding back the offense. You kind of made that bed when you said that, and if you go back on it, then you admit your own mistake. But at, at that point, then you can potentially get something different out of it. I don't know. It seems like if they were to sit him for a week, that they would have to sit him for multiple weeks, and I just don't think that they're going to do that now if he's continuing to play. And by the way, if the more that he does play, and the more that he doesn't, the more that he does play and doesn't suffer a setback, the calf does end up getting stronger and healing better. It's just that process needs to be expedited extremely. And that's just not possible. Yeah. I, I think they're banking on, you know, it, first of all, Zach was asked if Joe Burrow, I believe it was from uh, Marshall Kramsky, who, who's uh, one of the, one of the beat guys for the covering the Bengals era. He asked Zach, you know, is, is Joe Burrow going to play this week? He's all, yeah. Almost surprised at the question I think was the caption that was, uh, that was put out there. So, for those who want him to sit, it appears he is not going to. And my belief is not only because of that obvious statement that Joe's going to play this week. And by the way, selfishly, I'm going to that game. So, you know, planning this trip and going to that game and not seeing him play would be kind of a bummer for me personally. But regardless, um, you know, I think the Bengals, to your point a little bit, John, they are writing this out, this stretch, the next three weeks. They're going to, they're going to, they, they probably view these next two games as pretty winnable, even though they'll be tough. They're scrappy teams, the, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And then they're going to, they're going to, you know, use that bye week and really hope that by after the bye week, this calf thing will be mostly, if not fully behind him. And then, you know, you hit that next tough stretch of your schedule and all systems go. Hopefully that's, I, I mean, I assume if the plan, you know, if the plan is that Burrow's playing this week, I assume they are using this, these next three weeks as kind of the critical part to say, Hey, let's scrape together a couple of wins, get to 500, get into that buy, let Joe rest that week. 
and then hopefully by then come out of that healthy, T included. Yeah, it, this is just it, it's it's a new level of adversity that they have to go through because last year, like there there, there was more, I think not turmoil, but like kind of close to it in the locker room than I think people kind of know about, about just the dysfunction of the offense and the, the the frustration as to why it wasn't producing the way that it was. And it took a mid-season type of revelation for them to kind of get back on track. But now it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of the same similar issues um, that kind of stem from the management of what's going on with Burrow and just the offense. And if they don't get it sorted out in these two weeks, I, I do wonder how this kind of snowballs because the yeah. season cannot can get off the rails extremely quickly after this bye. You have San Francisco, Buffalo, two divisional games and at Jacksonville. Like that's a gauntlet. And going into the season, you thought this is the stretch where they need to build on these wins before they entered that. But of course, the Bengals always work in the opposite, right? They always stumble in early on against some quote-unquote winnable teams, and then they kind of catch their fire in big moments against good teams. But right now, they don't have that... that like, like, like They have no trust in them getting to that point of rattling off these wins out of nowhere if they don't sort this out right now. And the biggest problem is you, you just don't have that much trust in the designers and the architects of this offense with a quarterback who's just who's by the way like not only just not healthy but you I, I I do I did see some people in the comments section say something that I kind of agree with the more that he's playing out here with shoddy footwork the more you worry that he's going to start developing bad habits and he talked about that as to why he like he stopped throwing uh, early on in his recovery process because he did want to fall into having bad footwork but we're still seeing it in in these games and you have to you have to be concerned about the more that he plays with these limitations. And the more that he plays with that footwork, the the less likely that he can get back to his full form, even when he is healthy. That's fair. Yeah, I mean that's a fair fair assessment of that. You definitely don't want to, you know, have him develop bad habits. It just seems weird that we're talking about all this stuff because he has been such, you know, I'm seeing comments about you know you don't want to get in, Joe in, into his own head and you know bad habit. It's just stuff we're talking about with Joe Burrow that you never thought. <laughs> you'd have to talk about, right? I mean, it's it just not has, has not been who he has shown us to be since his senior year at LSU. It just, it's, and I guess an injury can do that kind of stuff to you. And we've got a little bit of, of proof here. Um, and we're going to play a little game here. And this is, this game is going to be called, what do you see here? Um, and we will put this up. We've got videos queued up of all three of the sacks against Burrow yesterday against uh, from the from the Titans. I, there's a couple of elements, and I, I want to get – I, I kind of looked at these through and found some specific observations. I want to get your take. And obviously for those who are watching in the uh, the live chat, if you, um, you want to, you know, give your two cents on what you see here. Because this goes into the conversation of potentially bad habits – uncharacteristic things or you know ailing calf and so i guess that's kind of what what i want to bring up and we can you know we can cue these up a couple of times they're about 15 seconds each or something but um what again i mean is because there's a lot of talk about his mobility is being affected and he can avoid the sacks and all that that might be the case 
I saw a little bit of that yesterday, John, personally, and when and you'll see one in particular that shows that. But I saw either also a, a lack of recognition of where the pressure is coming from or where the blitzers are coming from, and or um, maybe almost an arrogance in a way of Joe um, deciding to still take a shot, you know, take a shot from the defender, but also take a shot down the field and it not working out. So here's the first one. This is the one that ended up in that wacky play where it was a bad call. They called it a fumble initially because it went way up in the air and it was an incomplete pass. So here's this first one. There was someone being blitzed. I think it was a linebacker off the edge here. Um, and so we'll, we'll cue this up. Here it is. He, they do the RPO. The guy's going to come off the edge here on the outside. And he doesn't really recognize it. And it, you'll get another angle of it here. He's uh, – uh, and again, that should have been a penalty, Right. Uh, with the with the helmet there should have been a penalty, but and I can cue it up if, again if you want to see it, John. But uh, uh, did you see? Just it almost felt like he didn't either see the pressure or he saw it and said, "Screw it, I don't care. I see a shot down the field. I'm going to take it." Um, that to me wasn't a mobility issue. That was just staying in the pocket and trying to make a throw. So that 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 one to me does not fall into a mobility calf issue. Yeah, if you want to talk about internal clock, that was the case where that wasn't necessarily uh, the case. Uh, like, if it was an internal clock issue, then he would have probably released this a little bit sooner. It's just one, two, three, five step drop actually, and takes another hitch. The ball might have to be out a, like a half second sooner than that because he takes that extra hitch. But yeah, that, I, I think that's just him locking downfield, trying to get trying to get um, the ball down the field as part of that concept, and him just not recognizing it. Uh, yeah, I. Again, kind of uncharacteristic, though, right? I mean, he's usually so decisive. He usually knows exactly where he's going with the ball and just uncharacteristic. So I didn't see that as a mobility issue that a lot of people are, are you know, saying no. that's that's been the, the big plague. Um, here's the second one. Uh, I think this one also wasn't one that was the mobility issue for me. This was um, let, let's let's cue this one up here uh, coming off of the outside. That, again, just didn't sense the pressure. Orlando Brown gets beat off the edge there. Just didn't seem to sense the pressure coming off the other side. So, again, not really a mobility issue or a situation with that. It didn't didn't feel the pressure, didn't see the pressure, whatever that case may be. And, again, um, you know, holding the ball and looking to go down. It slowed down a little bit, so it, it's exaggerated in terms of the amount of time he's holding the ball. But, um, again, I, that's, not a, that's not a calf issue, right? I mean, to me, I, I'm not – He's there. He's sitting there ready to make a throw. It's not like he's trying to scramble away from a lot of pressure and can't do it. Can I see that again, actually? Because it yeah. looked like he kind of pumped it. So it, it gets beat. It, so just yeah. from that, it, it's it's almost like I think he was – I think it might have been a double move down the field if he's doing that pump. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bad rep from Linda Brown. I'll, I'll give him that. It was also on his blind side. Uh, yeah, I, I I would say it's more, I say it's probably more bad protection and just a long yeah. development play down the field. Um, again, like, I don't know, the, 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 I don't know if the timing of that wrap would have allowed him to kind of step up there because that was at the top of his drop. And that is something that quarterbacks have to kind of take into account for. Like tackles are just protecting you up until the top of your drop, but Orlando Brown kind of got beat around the edge there at the top of the drop. So 
stepping up would have definitely helped. I just don't know if, if the concept down the field would have allowed him of that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's a good point. I think that's more of a protection thing rather than a Joe Burrow issue or a calf issue or anything like that. It just was in and, and a bad, bad week against a good, good line, but a, a terrible timed week for Orlando Brown to have his his first bad game with the Bengals. Um, got beat a couple of times and that, that play included. All right, let's look at the last one that we've got here, the third one. This to me, well, I don't want to, this one to me felt like maybe a hindered mobility issue because you got key coming and usually he kind of can dance out of that stuff. And the guy kind of just grabbed at his ankles. You can kind of see just grabs. Now maybe he doesn't always get out of that. I'll play it one more time here. Maybe he doesn't always get out of that, but we've seen him get out of way more precarious stuff. So to me, this might point a little bit to the calf issue again, uh, Brown getting pushed back by, I think that's Arden key there. Um, gets around him and you know right there you kind of feel like he he can he usually steps out of that kind of thing so that might have been a little bit more of a mobility thing there if i'm i, I guess going to play armchair quarterback 100 like we, we've seen him take off from that point either stepping up or just stepping out to the right there are just there are other times here like i think there was one play uh when the titans had like two three there's like a wide front for them they had two three techniques and two wide nines and there was just a chance for burr to step up and run and he he was hesitant to do that because he knew he can't like he we I think it was one of the first plays on the first drive where he converted the first third down of the game or the first first down of the game and he ran like two yards and he immediately slid once he knew he got past the first down so cl- like clearly there's there's a mobility issue and that was definitely one and by the way uh, for people who think that he got destroyed this game Burrow was officially sacked uh, twice he was hit four times so they were hard no mistake about it and there were definitely some miscues particularly with the interior of the offensive line and their communication with stunts. But don't act like this was the 2021 playoff game where he was sacked nine times. The Titans got in there and they stopped some drives, but Burrow didn't necessarily get beat up in this game. That's the false narrative. Here's the other thing too. I I talked about it a tiny bit, but I, I, the more I think about it, the Bengals have been talked about a lot. The Bengals have won a lot of big games the last couple of years, and the Bengals have let their opponents know about it the past couple of years. And with all of that success comes a target on your back, and you're going to get team's best shots. And this Tennessee team remembers that divisional game that they lost. This Tennessee team remembers, I know we love it, but probably remembers the clip of Ted Karras walking off the field. Uh, that we, so they, they were pissed. They, were play, they played emotionally charged football. And I don't feel that the Bengals maybe match that intensity. I, I mean, there are a lot of errors and offensive inefficiency and everything else we've talked about. But from the non X's and O's standpoint, I, the Titans played an emotionally charged game in, uh, at home. And I rewatched that opening drive at the end there. I mean, that crowd, I, I know there are a lot of Bengals fans in attendance. That crowd was loud, uh, particularly at the beginning of that game. So kind of a perfect storm. When uh, p- people get kind of transfixed on your on their own team, right? This was the game where the Bengals were supposed to put it all together. And I think there's a report from Dinah Rossini about like, yeah, this offense is so close to just taking off, right? Titans lost by like 20 on the road la- last week. And then they're home underdogs under Mike Vrabel. Yep. It's not a situation where the Titans just roll over necessarily. Like the, the other yep. team gets paid too. And yes, the Bengals have talent on this team where they shouldn't lose by 24. I'm not saying they should lose by 24 but weird stuff in the NFL happens Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes 
that there's nothing more weird than that, right? <laughs> um, so the Titans dominating in ways that is not foreign to anyone who knows the Titans is not the strangest thing to me. It's embarrassing for sure. If you're the Bengals, it's embarrassing to try out that offense for a fourth straight week and just pray that your defense has a performance that they haven't had, by the way, since like 1997. I'm talking about six sacks, two interceptions, and holding the opponent to under 20 points. That hasn't, that hasn't happened since like 1997. But look, look at that positive stats from the 90s Bengals. If you need that type of defensive performance to compete with your offense, it's not sustainable. And the Titans yeah. take advantage of this because the Titans still have talent on the defensive front. They have winning formulas to attack the Bengals offense flying that clearly worked again at crucial times here. And they just did nothing but run the same defense over and over because the Bengals had no counters to it. Rob, Mr. Uh, Rob Duncan, a good, good friend of the show. We see him in a lot of the live chats. AC is wearing the same shirt as yesterday. Depression has arrived. Hey, I have multiple of these. These are like workout shirts. I have multiple of them. I promise. I don't just roll around in the same shirt for 24, 36 hours, Rob. I promise. I'm, I'm, I'm not that gross of a guy, but um, let's, let's just kind of cap it off here. We usually kind of try and keep these around 45 minutes and we're getting up there. There was some different news and notes. I mentioned the Reed Sinet. Um, getting uh, getting cut off the practice squad there. So that's one big news. And I know you wanted to talk about some quotes from T. Higgins today in light of his injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, T. Higgins reportedly, not reportedly, it's confirmed now, he suffered a rib fracture. And it was on that play where it was almost a catch on the sideline. He just kind of landed on his side. He was taken out of the game after that and did not return. So he missed about a half of, of play. Uh, fortunately, though, like, one rib, it's definitely painful. He's going to have to sleep differently. He's going to have to manage through the pain. But it is something that he expects to be able to play through, if not this week, then definitely next week. Uh, I'm sure they'll manage him and limit him in practice this week, and he might just be a game-time decision. But he wants to play through it, and I think that's commendable, especially because he has not been particularly himself this year. People want to point to a contract extension because of that. I don't know. All I know is that he could use this injury to just sit and just take all the time that he needs he wants to play through it. I think that's worthy of praise, and we'll see if he ends up doing anything against Arizona. Yeah, um, there was a. I, unfortunately, I um, I don't remember his name, but he's kind of a. He's got a pretty prominent Twitter following as a sports uh, sports injury doctor. Not not David Chow, uh, another name out there. I forget I forget his name, unfortunately. But he kind of put out some stuff today that, that got circulated about both. Timeline of healing and everything for Burroughs injury and T Higgins, you know, is basically both about two weeks in terms of, you know, fully healed or whatever. Um, So that goes back to what I was saying a little bit on the Burrow side with, you know, two weeks plus the buy, you know, then you're, then you're hopefully back in business and this thing's behind you. Um, Again, I'll have to find that tweet if I can find it, but it seemed to be two weeks um, by his timeline of the injuries and everything. Uh, And he's, you know, he's, got some good credentials and whatnot. So I would, uh, you know, I, I tend to believe him. He seems like a smarter guy than I. So uh, I tend to believe him in terms of turnaround time and everything. So um, what else do we got? I, I guess I, let's, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, while we've got a couple minutes before we get out of here, what'd you make of the, uh, and I played him on the post game show yesterday. What'd you make of the post game quotes from guys like Joe Mixon, guys like Jamar chase, I, different levels of frustration, confidence, it's kind of a weird mix of everything between the words spoken and maybe not spoken <laughs> by those guys. Yeah, I it was definitely all over the place and as expected, 
I think when you get shellacked like that, especially twice in a month, it kind of just makes you just stop and wonder. And maybe you don't have as, as clear of an answer as to why. Like there were definitely discernible things as to what went wrong, but you know, the team practiced and prepared and they just got embarrassed and it, it sucks and it's tough to kind of respond directly off of that, especially when you're now one in three and you have more questions than you have answers. I, people definitely took the, the chase soundbite and quote and ran with it. And it's, it's not like, it's not even that much out of character, I think for chase, because he just kind of says, he kind of speaks his mind and that sometimes leads to, um, you know, quotes like this, but I think the, 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 the full quote, I think provides needed context with it too. It, because someone just asked me, you know, like, you know, like what happens when you're not open and teams are keen in on you. It's like, I'm always open. I'm always effing open because he's Jamar Chase. And he believes that even when teams are keen in on him and there's bracketed coverage, even when there's tight man coverage, if you throw the ball his way, he's one of the few players in the NFL that can win those one-on-ones. He did it against the Rams. Like the Rams certainly had a lot of attention on him. So 12 catches for 144 yards. There was one play in particular it was a deep, you know, out or comeback or bench route, whatever you want to call it. And the Rams had safety over the top and Burrow put it right where he needed to and Chase made the catch on the sideline. Like the, it's it's a proven it's a proven concept of targeting Jamar Chase, even when there is extra attention on him. And I think he just wanted to reiterate that in that moment. And if nothing else, he's confident in his own ability and, and they definitely need all of his ability to get out of this rut. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of adopted again temporarily adopted the mindset of you know carries wise upwards of 20 for joe mixon and targets 12 to 15 a game to chase because those are the guys who are consistently you know giving you the, the the big plays or the positive plays and then when you have t higgins with the fractured rib joe burrow with the calf all of that i mean maybe just feed the two guys that are working find ways to get them the ball it's kind of what they did against the rams and finally, the Rams started clamping down on Mixon towards the end there. Um, you know, he he wasn't having much as much success as he was maybe early in that game. So I don't know. I, I That's kind of where I would go with it. I, you know, I I didn't go – I didn't read so far into it saying, oh, there's a, a, a strife between Chase and Burrow and all that kind of stuff. I didn't read that far into it. It was more just, you know, the, le- it, the level of frustration is palpable. Um Joe Mixon showed me a level of confidence with his quote in response to some of the questions there, which was really good to see. So, uh, you know, I I think adjustments need to be made. Um, They're going to need to even, even if temporarily reinvent themselves a bit again and find ways to, to be productive. And I know some people didn't want to hear it about Burrow playing and he should rest and all that. That doesn't seem to be the plan. He's going to play uh, until otherwise noted and, that's going to be that. What else do we need to get to before we drop the mic and head on out of here, my friend? Nothing in terms of like notes or news. Like we, we, we had Cam Taylor Britt also suffer. I think he suffered a shoulder injury first on like one of the Titans' first touchdowns, and it was kind of a scary, scarier hit than I think. Gross looking. Yeah. yeah. So he suffered a concussion, and he did, obviously didn't return. So he's going to be in the protocol today. But unfortunately, even before that, he was. He was not having the best of games. He gave up a long play on the sideline. I think the first explosive play to the Titans. Um, there was a report from, I believe it was a WLWT reporter, who said that Irv Smith is on track for returning this week. So we should see him list, continue to be listed on the practice report. But he should, at some point this week, I think, start practicing. So kind of getting healthier, kind of not. Just kind of the ebbs and flows of being in the middle of the NFL season. 
Yeah, you know, I, I guess it, it's a bit of a blessing where the where the bye week falls, I guess, comparative to some of these injuries and everything that the Bengals are going through right now. But they gotta they gotta start writing the ship, and um, if they can get back to five hundred, get in that bye, and then you know start building some momentum coming into that tough part of that next schedule you talked about earlier, earlier, that, uh, that's going to be a big, big boost, but they got to do the work and they got to execute. So that is the key. What do you got for us on our way out? My friend, nothing much. I, I think I was kind of saying it earlier though. This team was two and three last year. Uh, they were, they're two and two, but then they were at two and three. They can get to two and three this year with a win here. But I think the record is almost like, it's not secondary because it's all that matters, but right now there is they're at a tipping point, I think, more so than in years past, where there's so much expectations about this team in particular. They had a huge road blocker bump on the road with Burroughs calf. But I think a lot of internal skepticism may be brewing right now between players and coaches. And I think some of that kind of leaked into what they were saying after the game. I remember when this team was not good at all with Taylor and every week we would say, is this the biggest game of Zach Taylor's career? Um, I I know a lot of fans also remember that too. (laughs) I think this two week stretch is so important to keep that locker room together because if there are no improvements, adjustments made that lead to tangible results, regardless of what you have to deal with, lack of faith will start to show more and more. And again, once you exit that bye week, maybe the bye week does help out with everything. But once you exit that bye week, things get really real. And it's it's at, it's, it's at that point where you have nowhere left to hide. And then you're just basically ending the season at that point. These next two weeks matter so much for Zach Taylor and his staff and just making the adjust- whatever adjustments need to be made. They, like they need to just empty out all the cards at this point because there's just no more time that they can waste. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that for my mic drop. You and I have been on a, a similar wavelength. I, gosh, we didn't talk about this stuff really before the, uh, the the show, before we took the air or anything, but we've been on a similar wavelength today. I've got an article coming up on CincyJungle.com where it's like, you know, the the old good, bad, and ugly. Um, and what you said there uh, really rang true. And I think one of the lines I put in there, it's not up yet, but it will be posted pretty soon, I think. Um one of the one of the lines I put in there was something to the effect of it this these next two weeks are incredibly important and incredibly important really not just for this season alone. I think it's important for this season to get them on the right track and turn this thing around. But I also think, you know, if things start to derail, you got the you know, these post-game quotes and all this kind of stuff. Um and, and you know, you're also kind of like, man, this this kind of felt like 21, you arrived early and you went really, really far and made, I don't know, almost had the championship. Um, last year, you know, you were coming back and now, you know, that was kind of expected a little bit of deep, another deep run because the team was good. Now, this was supposed to be the year. And if there's a major hiccup or speed bump in this, quote, championship window that the Bengals have open with their quarterback and, and this cast of characters, you know, if, if this season go, goes awry, of course, it's bad for this season in general, right? <laughs> but also, it's it's kind of damaging to the outlook a little bit in the next couple of years. So again, we, <laughs> I don't, I don't like to over-exaggerate either about the importance of a game, you know, this game, that game, that sort of thing. But I, I do think this is a very 
to buy the next couple of games. Um, and, and it's also because, I mean, they're, they're tough teams. They're going to be tough, Cardinals and Seahawks, but these appear to be winnable games as well. So they need to take care of business. Other than the play, or other than the shooting, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to get out of here. Before we do, want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel where you can get, on the audio side of things, where you can get our show, you can get Talking Football with Bengal, Jim and Friends, Matt Minix, Coach Speak, and Chalk Talk, as well as Three and Out with Jason and Kevin, all those on the audio side. And of course, if you like seeing the video where you can watch the clips that we put up here, no idea if the NFL is going to slap us on the wrist, probably will, but the YouTube channel is underneath John and by that Cincy jungle icon, click the show icon to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when new content is live and when, when it's available, when we go live, all that kind of stuff. And then of course, got to give a thumbs up to the Cincy jungle Facebook page, along with about 80,000 others. We stream live there, so check it all out. Go to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, podcasts, all of that. And, of course, got to go check out. John put up a really cool article today. Uh, I did read that on agencysports.com, uh, John, with the uh, the offensive issues and, and that sort of thing. So go check out what he and that crew is doing over there with all the great work. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Live. We had a lot of viewers across different platforms, so um, good to see all of you, whether it was YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Appreciate it. We will be back later this week with our preview of the Cardinals and we'll have some fun with that. John, have a try and have a better rest of your week than we have experienced in the early portion of this. It'll be much better than Sunday. I promise you that. <laughs> hard to be. Yeah, it's hard to hard to get worse than that. Yeah. Take care, man. See ya. visible we're the wireless company with nothing to hide seriously hidden fees we don't have them annual contracts not our thing great wireless on just one line now that's more like it get unlimited 5g data powered by verizon for just 25 dollars a month taxes and fees included that's right 25 a month every month sorry hidden fees we're just not that into you sometimes the choice is just visible switch today at visible.com rate with service on the visible plan for additional terms and network management practices see visible.com